This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and uh, today we are talking about encouraging our kids. We seem to want to encourage our kids to be yourself, but that is really tough for our kids because we're basically saying, find your box, find the box that you are, label it, and then be true to it. And that puts us into a weird competition of labels. So we tell them, we slap on these labels like, you're wonderful, you're funny, you're good at maths, you like pink. And the world tries to sometimes come against that. They go for uh, something different. They go for you're weird or you're nerdy or you're girly or you're stupid. And we're like, no, how dare you try to label my child that? So we slap on more labels onto our kids. You're perfect. You're delightful. You're sciencey. And, and we bury our kids in all of these labels. And if these kids have labels, then they try to live up to them. They try to live up to the wonderful, funny, good at maths, perfect, delightful. And if one day they aren't funny, then it throws them into a confidence crisis. You know, who am I if I'm not funny? Or they have these labels on them that, that other people put on them that are, are negative, And they, they try to assess themselves. Is this my label? Is this, am I really stupid on the inside? And, and it becomes this competition of labels. It can tie them up in knots about what people expect of them and even what God expects of them. One of the key tools in Parenting for Faith is unwinding, straightening things out so our children can flourish. And if we can straighten out for our kids the expectations that God has on us based on what he has given us when we are born, that could be a huge release for them. And so we need to begin to unwind that, to straighten that out. So how do we encourage our children if we don't just slap more labels on? Well, two ways. One, really simple tool, really effective, praise through relationships, not labels. So instead of saying you're wonderful, funny, beautiful, clever, talk about it in relationship. When I'm with you, I'm so happy. Just being bored with you is the best part of my day. Or your brain can learn anything. I love how hard you worked on that maths exam. Look at the progress you made. Or you make me laugh so much. Or, wow, you look like you feel confident in that outfit. When we praise through relationship instead of labels, we're not saying this is who you are. This is your box fit in it. We're saying you affect me in so many different ways. And I see so many brilliant things inside of you. And it means that they learn to see the power of the uniqueness of them worked out in relationship. It's not that we're saying you are funny. They begin to see that they being themselves makes me laugh. And I love that. I love being around them. And so whether they're funny that day or not, they can bring joy to the people around them. And that's a really powerful shift. The second thing is to praise what you genuinely value. I find this amazing. Is How often do we praise what we don't really value? I mean, think about what you praise most in your children. So often we fall into the same thing our parents said. So we say, you know, don't you look nice or you look beautiful. 
I'm pretty sure that the main things that we appreciate about our children most aren't their appearance and obedience. But our praises can sound like that. But what do we really want them to grow? What do we really want them to consider important? And then praise that. So what about things like love of learning and ability to see opportunities and failure and bounce back? You know, what happens if your kid totally spills their milk all over the table and and gets up and cleans up? We could either be annoyed that they're clumsy or or say, I am mind blown how you made a mistake. And instead of crying and getting upset or instead of running away and hiding, you got up and fixed the problem. That I am in awe of how you fixed the problem. That is such a powerful thing you did. And I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of how you dealt with that mistake because that is truly amazing. What if we praised the things we really valued? Curiosity, deep compassion, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mercy, humility, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, courage, sacrifice, generosity, love of being on team and the ability to value others' contributions. What if they're playing a game and somebody makes a suggestion and they actually listen to it? To be able to come in and say, I was watching and you listened to somebody else's suggestion and you changed your mind. And the ability to change your mind is really significant. And I just really admire how you did that. Wisdom, boldness, bravery, justice, perseverance, problem solving, ability to be a good friend, honesty. There are so many things that we really appreciate and want our children to know that we value so much more than you look great and good job doing what I told you to do. Obedience is an important thing to praise as well. We can say, thank you. I asked you to do something and you did it. And that really, really strengthens our connection. And it means that I can trust you more. We can explain those things, but it's really helpful to be conscious about it. And note, this isn't a gendered list. It's a list of character traits that God calls us all to disciple and develop in our own lives, no matter what our gender is. It's important that we praise our boys for their kindness and gentleness and self-control as much as we praise our girls for those same traits. And it's important that we praise our girls for bravery and sacrifice as much as we praise our boys. All of these characteristics are essential children of God characteristics, and we're each called to be like him. So try it out this week. Tell your kid how much you admired that they persevered through that video game and didn't give up. Or tell your daughter how strong she is at defending the week um, out on the places that she's playing during the summer. And tell your son how much you're blessed by his heart of compassion towards you when you're sick. Let's get the labels off our kids so they can see who God is shaping them to be and the impact that he has on those around them. So let me just pray for us. God, I pray over this summer that you would help us to truly see what's little bits of character bubbling underneath the surface of our children. God, give us time and space in the feeding them and getting them places and the craziness of the noise to see them as valued children of God who you are using now to bring more of you into this world and that you will use in the future to bring your heart to this nation, to our families, to our communities. I pray that you would grow in them, God, what you want to grow in them and help us see it and praise it and help them see it, that they may know the impact uh, that you have on them and that they can have on those around them. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Okay, it's question time. Well, we take your questions and I attempt to answer them in a way that won't be the full answer, but it will be my answer. So uh, this week we've gotten several different questions that um, all center around the same subject. And uh, the subject is, um, what do we do when our children begin to ask about heaven and why we can't just die and go there now? Uh, If you... uh, have been a Christian for a while or your kids have been Christian for a while, this question does come up more than you think. So you are not alone if your five-year-old all of a sudden is like, I think I'll just die and go to heaven and that will be great. Why am I still here? Or your 11-year-old uh, begins to, uh, you know, ponder why, what's the point of being here when I could just die and be with Jesus and it'll be all okay. Um, when we hear our children talking about that, um, we often get really afraid because all of our suicide whoop, 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 alarms go off and we're like no and there's a huge amount of fear about that um and sometimes we're like we know our four-year-old's not suicidal but that's like it puts us in that sort of fight or flight what do i do with this thing um so before i i begin to to answer i just want to say that there are children um who do experience suicidal thoughts and and if and you as a parent will know if this is something that you are actually really concerned about. And if so, there are brilliant resources out there like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline um, who can give you advice and wisdom much better than I can um, ab- about that. And so please do access those resources is if you um, have a child who you feel um, is, is seriously contemplating something like that, please, please, please uh, get um, get wisdom from from the experts, from the people who um, can give you wisdom beyond that. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is out there. I know Samaritans are out there as well, and so so please access those. But if if you're in that realm where um, you have Christian kids and this topic of death, dying, and heaven comes up, and won't it just be better there? So why do I have to stay here? Uh, First of all, I just want to say it's a natural question. It's a natural question. It's a logical question. And it's an incredibly common question. So you are not alone. Uh, but what I find is it's it's a cover question. It's not really what they're asking. What they're asking is either tell me more about heaven or what is life for? Because they're saying, if that's the most wonderful place in the world to be, why wouldn't I just want to go there? It's like if you lived next door to, you know, Disneyland, why don't we just live at Disneyland? Makes total sense. Um, and so the the question is, what? why am I here? Why are we here and not there? And wouldn't it be better to just leave this behind and go there? And so this is a chance. This is a question. This is a time to really talk about what the purpose of life is. And it's a wonderful conversation you can have. You can say we only get to experience life on this earth for a little bit of time. We can spend eternity in heaven, but this is like the golden, unique thing of our lives that we get to have of of being on earth and only seeing a little bit of what is to come. You see, when we go to heaven, we're going to spend eternity with God. There's going to be no sorrow, no pain, no sadness. And we're going to be always in the presence of God. There'll be no doubt because he's right in front of us. But right here, right now, we get to experience what it's like to have faith, 
to believe in something that we can't see to help those who are in pain. When we're in heaven, we won't be able to help those who are in pain. But here we get to see people who are crying, who are in pain, and we get to be a little bit of God's heart for them. We get to come alongside someone and love them when they're in pain and help them be better tomorrow. We get to encourage because there's discouragement here. We get to help those who need. And also we get to experience the pure joy of needing help and having someone help us, of being sad and knowing the friendship that comes when someone comes alongside of you. We get to work out and partner with God on changing something in this world. And that is an awesome and powerful thing. And so, yes, if we get cancer and die, if we get hit by a car and die, we will be in a place with Jesus, the same Jesus that you know and have have asked into your life now, you will have for eternity with him, and that will be great. So we don't need to be afraid of death, but we don't want to throw away the most wonderful, exciting experience of being uniquely here, partnering with God to bring his heart to those who are hurting and to experience the joy of hurting and having other people come help. There are so many wonderful things we get to do on earth. And it's a really exciting life. And you're going to have a great conversation. You can talk about how you, you can create windows into your life of, of times that you have been so grateful for other people and how you have found your purpose or you're still finding it or how there isn't one purpose and there's lots of different things that you can do. There are so many, so many great conversations that come out of this question. So no matter which way you take the conversation, I would really encourage you to create some windows into your life, to tell them about your experience of this question, to talk about heaven, to talk about our purpose on earth, to explore what life is for. Don't feel the need to have the right answer. Just share a bit of your answer to this question. Okay, every week we have a different sort of segment at this time, and this week's segment is called Humph, Humph, which is uh, something that I have read in an article or a book or uh, something scholarly, something intellectual that I found really interesting uh, that can make us smarter about Parenting for Faith. And so this was an article I read uh, online by a PhD, Dr. Peter Gray, uh, who at the time of writing was at Boston College Research in Comparative Evolutionary Developmental and Educational Psychology. Ooh, so smart. And uh, he wrote this article called Stop Segmenting Children by Age. I found it really interesting in terms of summer and parenting for faith. Because summer is a time where children have loads of free time playtime, and it can also be a time of juggling childcare and finding things to do. And I'd like to encourage you to make some hangout time for your kids with families with different ages from your church. We often look for families with children the same age as ours, uh, but reading this article suggested something really interesting. Dr. Peter Gray uh, was looking at how children learn and did some really interesting research on how children of different ages interact. So most of the time we think that children want to play with people who are their same age and that that's their most significant influencers. And so when they're teenagers, we're like, oh, all the teenagers, you know, friends have more influence than we do as parents. We get worried about that. Or when we have kids 
And if maybe there aren't any children their own age at the church, then we get worried that they need a peer group. And, and that can be something that's, that gets quite big in our head, helping our kids play with people their same age. But uh, Dr. Peter Gray did some research at a school that facilitated uh, a more sort of self-directed approach to learning in America, uh, which meant that the children had freer choices in what they did. So rather than a sort of really regimented do this, do that, and then next, they sort of sort of Montessori-like except mm -hmm. in primary school. Uh, and this helped them to be able to study the researchers, to be able to study the children's choices a bit better. Now, it's not comprehensive, wide-ranging. This isn't, you know, a massive sample size. But his observations are interesting. He found, and I'm quoting, when given a choice, children spend considerable time interacting with others who are older or younger than themselves. So, if you leave children to it, they'll actually pick a wider range of ages than we would normally think. Um, he also noticed more than 50% of students' interactions were with other students who were more than two years older than themselves or younger than themselves. So more than 50% of the time, they were interacting with people who were two years older or two years younger, more than that. 25% of the time, they were spending it with four years older or younger. So this wasn't just like spending a, a, a you know, yeah, the year threes played with year fours. This is the year threes, 50% of their time, were playing with year fives and year ones. Uh, it's a massive gap. Uh, they also made this observation. Uh, age mixing, so when they were sort of spending time together, uh, it's a really powerful tool because it allows younger children to engage in, learn from activities that they couldn't do alone or with age mates. Uh, they call it, oh, the fancy word for you, the zone of proximal development. This is Lee Vygotsky. Uh, the zone of proximal development. Essentially, if kids play with people older or younger than them, they actually have access to learning better than if they only learned with peers. And and why is this? It's it's basically how we play catch with kids. If you picture two four-year-olds trying to play catch, right? Two four-year-olds, not a lot of coordination, uh, trying to play catch with each other. They both have equal amounts of uncoordination. So you throw a ball wild and the other person doesn't have the skills to catch it. So then they have to run and pick it up and then they throw it at the other person, but it just hits on the ground and then the other four-year-old picks it up. And you have two people playing it badly and therefore their improvement is going to be limited. But you put a four-year-old and an eight-year-old together, all of a sudden the game of catch can be successful because the eight-year-old can throw the ball directly in the prime catch zone of the four-year-old. And the four-year-old's wild throws can be negotiated by the eight-year-old because the eight-year-old can dive and catch and roll and can is, is better at catching. And so it's a more successful game of catch for the four-year-old because the four-year-old is playing with the eight-year-old. And the eight-year-old learns a whole bunch of skills about refining how they're catching, you know, throwing and catching more wild throws. And the eight-year-old grows because they're dealing with something unpredictable and it tests their skills. They also looked at seven and eight-year-olds playing cards with older children. And they were playing games that seven and eight-year-olds alone couldn't play together. But you uh, have them play these games with the older children and all of a sudden they were playing these really complicated games because the older children were reminding them and suggesting strategies and, and everyone had a better time and learned more when they were playing together. So why are we talking about this? 
Spiritually, I believe there's a similar thing that goes on. We as parents provide some of these, you know, multi-age opportunities to help our kids access spiritual things in a way they couldn't before. A six-year-old uh, reading a Bible together with a, another six-year-old, um, the full words, you know, Bible, maybe not. But with you, absolutely, because you can help and you can fill in what the words mean and you can fast pace the stories and you can skip out the long things. Uh, you Six-year-old and an adult reading the Bible together is more successful than two six-year-olds reading it together. We can do the diving and the dodging for the and the aiming for their hands, and children of other ages can do that for our kids. But also, number two, relationship with other children at your church can be very significant. When they play before and after church, when they go over to an older child's house and see the books and the music laying around— I don't know how many children have gotten sucked into Christian bands because an older teen introduced them. There's this beautiful opportunity within church to have access to Christians of ages older and younger than us and to have biblical things explained to us by people older and younger than us. And our children have that opportunity too. So you have a summer. I would suggest you embrace opening up things that wouldn't be normal for your child to experience. Help them build relationships with other children who aren't their age. Invite smaller children over. Let your children be the wise person who dips and dodges and helps a smaller person learn something about God and life and play together. And go play at someone's house that's older older than them. Give them a Christian community of other kids of lots of different ages to learn from and help. If your kid is the only one of their age, that's okay. The zone of proximal development says that is great. And the final segment of our podcast, as usual, is media that might help you slash questions to start a conversation. Basically, we want to finish our podcast by uh, letting you know different ways you can take the next steps in your learning about these topics and uh, also give you a question. That might be a really interesting way of starting a conversation this week with your kid about faith. If you want to explore the idea of praising what you want to grow with our kids and how to bolster their confidence and how do we encourage them, you might want to go to the book Parenting Children for Life of Confidence, written by me, Rachel Turner. Uh, But it's also going to be released in a new format uh, in October in the Parenting for Faith Omnibus version. So you can buy just the Parenting for Confidence book now, or you can wait and get all three books mushed together uh, and rewritten a bit in the new October version. So if you want to know more about that, go there. Also, if you're looking for a children's book that might explore this idea of, of labels with our children, there's a book called You Are Special by Max Lucado. And uh, the main character's village, essentially, goes around praising or criticizing each other and doing it by putting a star on them or a dot on them. And uh, and then what it looks like for those to drop off when when God essentially uh, comes into our lives and those labels don't matter anymore. It's not quite what I'm talking about, but if you want to just talk about the concept of labels and pe- people putting things on you, uh, that's a, a really interesting uh, way in. Uh, yes, and if you want to learn more about the Stop Segregating Our Children, uh, the link is below uh, to the uh, article that I read that you could uh, begin to explore that more. Um, based on the Why We Should Stop Segregating Our Children by Age article. So the question that you want to ask your kids this week, you don't have to. It's just a random question to get something started. If you could choose one movie character to be like, who would it be and why? 
this will show something really interesting to you about your kids' aspirations for themselves and what they admire in somebody else. If you could choose one movie character to be like, who would it be and why? Have a really good week. And uh, don't forget to get in touch. And we'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions for the question segment and your thoughts and comments and other interesting things you have to say. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight session course to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you.